Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. If you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks, let me catch you up. David the blogger has been given an assignment. You know, you heard he's got this blog about uh, strange things. So his editor's given him an assignment. Come up with five questions as if you had an exclusive interview with God. David's been a little bit lost. He's wondering, where do I come up with these questions? He's met Michael here at the coffee shop and Michael has been leading him. Michael is a great Christian. David O'Malley, he had some struggles with his faith and he's kind of given up on Jesus. And we learned that in the past couple of weeks. He's received answers to two questions. He's got his third now. His first one was, why did Jesus come? Started at the the basics. Why would God send uh, his son? Why would he come to earth in the human form? And it was to deal with sin. Sin separated every single human from God. So God had this plan. I'll become human and I can deal with this. And he dealt with it through his son, Jesus, who was the perfect human. He was 100% human. He was 100% divine. And he came as a sacrifice for sin. He paid for sin with his life because sin was such an affront to God. It required this heavy payment. And Jesus did something. He opened up heaven. He opened up heaven to every human because of his sinless, perfect life and the sacrifice that he gave. His death was natural, but it had divine, supernatural results, eternal life for any and all of us who would come to believe that Christ could accomplish that for us. And Michael has been working with David to, to get him to understand that. That's why he came. And then question number two, which was, well, if this is the truth, if Jesus is this great sacrifice for sin, why then was he rejected? Well, that's a good question too. He was accused by people of being a lawbreaker. We talked about that last week, that yeah, there was all these laws, rules, regulations in the Jewish faith. One had to do with the seventh day, the Sabbath day. And Jesus seemed to constantly be pushing the envelope on that because, well, the rulers of the day had come up with many, many rules about that particular day. You you couldn't do just about anything. It was construed as work. You sneeze and wipe your nose. So you're working. You can't do those kinds of things. Second was that Jesus made himself equal with God. That was another reason that he was rejected. But the point was that he was rejected for many reasons. And we can come up with many more. The bottom line was that they couldn't, they, they couldn't come to terms with believing that he was who he claimed to be, which was the son of God to take away the sins of the world. And here today, their conversation continues. And this David O'Malley, he's struggling with comprehending this all, with understanding it all. He, 
says to this new friend he met, I don't know if I'll ever understand it. And his friend says, well, neither did the Jewish leaders. They didn't understand it. And that's true. As we get to John chapter eight this morning, we'll uh, discover a little bit about that. They didn't understand what Jesus said of himself, this idea of understanding. Understanding, it's something constant. It's something that we need to work on, that we can gain, we can learn. It's why we teach a class like these students here that have just completed a course that we call catechism. It's a course of study where they learn the principles of uh, the Christian faith and they come to greater understanding. I've got two from the class right here. They, well, you, you two were in the coffee shop this morning, I see. Yes. And uh, they're going to talk to us a little bit about their understanding. They've come to understand some things better. This is Mike. This is uh, Mike Frazo and Stephanie Perry. Come on over here. I want to ask you uh, some questions that follow along the line of our character here, David O'Malley, and his understanding. You came to class. You couldn't, you could not uh, tell us that you understand everything about Jesus. I don't think any of us could say that we know it all, that we understand it perfectly, completely, because Jesus is constantly revealing things to us. So you entered this class and you've gained some understanding. I know that. So Stephanie, could you relate maybe something you had an understanding of, maybe a little, or maybe not so much of it all, but you have gained a better understanding of it now, this six months later? You're good. Thanks. Um, one thing I've gained a greater understanding of is repentance through God's love. And um, I've been in church for about 20 years, so I've heard that God loves me since I've been a kid. But um, I guess I never really, it was head knowledge, and it never really got down into my heart until um, about lesson 10, which was the lesson on repentance. And Jerry showed us a clip from The Passion. And he went around and looked at all of us, and each one of us he told, um, he said, Jesus would have came and died for you if you were the only person on earth. And I couldn't accept it at first. I like, was just so like flabbergasted at that idea because I had been holding myself to these standards and rules and just seeking perfectionism in my life. Um, and I thought that God had been holding me to that. But... Um, through this, I learned that God wants us to repent and turn away. And when we do that, he actually does forget about it. It's erased. Wow. So you came in this, you've been essentially raised in the faith. You've been here 20 years and you were a rule follower. You were, you were overwhelmed by this idea of rules and now repentance is something in your, in your heart. Yes. It's wonderful. Mike, have, what about you? Anything that you've, maybe you had a, some, you know, you had a kernel of understanding, but, you know, you, you get it so much more now that you've taken time to study. Yeah, I thought the Ten Commandments uh, were just a set of rules that you followed, and I learned that uh, if you um, 
honor your parents, you're not, they're all interconnected. If you honor your parents, you're not going to break another one. If you don't covet, you're not going to steal. And if you love the Lord and don't put any idols before them, you're not going to break these commandments. And uh, the blessing that comes within keeping the commandments and out of love, not out of fear. So I learned uh, I keep the commandments because I love the Lord and the blessings with living within the law. So, so it's a, a motivational. There's something motivational about these commandments. Before rules and regulations, now something from your heart. Yes. Nice, nice. Now, Stephanie, you've talked about this, the idea of you know, rules, regulations, following things. Is there, um, is there anything that you consider, you know, that you've been motivated more from your heart uh, beyond, you know, the repentance that you've talked about? Yeah. Um, when I first took communion in sixth grade, I got this huge book and I thought, here's all these rules now that I have to follow. Um, and as I grew up, I, you know, I understood that they were not just rules, but um, through catechism, I really learned that that was like a guide um, for how to live in freedom in Christ. Um, especially when we were talking about communion. Um, I used to be terrified to take communion because I thought, if I forget to repent for one sin, I'm going to die. So um, I, we had this great discussion that day about um, how it is a chance to examine yourself. And sometimes we, especially when you've been in church for so long, it becomes just going through the motions. It's the first Sunday of the month today I'm taking communion. But um, with that, we just, we just talked about how you get to examine and see if you're living in Christ and he'll reveal to you what you need to know. And you get to reaffirm that covenant with him that you're saved by his blood. So you've come to understand there's a great grace in this idea of the Lord's Supper, communion. And before you were terrified. Right, and now wow. it's, it's that- freedom. It's freedom. And it's freedom. There is a freedom in, in Jesus Christ. We heard that earlier today. Uh, and it's so true. So true. Mike, how about you? Anything else uh, freedom-wise or anything you've come to understand to a greater capacity here about the Lord, about Christianity? Uh, yes, I uh, struggled with forgiveness uh, of others. And the Lord has freed me and died for my sins. And I found that uh, what a blessing it is uh, to forgive others because it allows, it's just freeing for me to live my life and, uh, and love more. So, yeah. So uh, with forgiveness then, is there things like bitterness? Uh, is there any roots there that have just been able, you've, you've been able to just, just let get, it get out, rid let of it more. go. Yeah. When you truly forgive others and, uh, yeah, the bitterness and the anger, all of that leaves and you become much freer. And that came through forgiveness that you received yes, from Jesus. Absolutely, yes. All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you two so much. It's so great to hear better understanding of these things. I appreciate it. Better understanding. Of course, we're uh, able to understand better when our hearts are open like Mike's and Stephanie's, they were open to receive something. They didn't come totally closed off to an idea of, well, I could get something out of this. There was uh, some, some humility in their approach, some openness, and they learned some things. They learned the ways of uh, Christianity. 
and they've come to understand uh, so much better, as I'm sure so many in the class have as well. I'd love to be able to talk to you all, and I'm sure that you all have a point that you could say, yes, I got that more, and I understand it more, and I've dropped some barriers, and I removed some walls, and that's what is necessary for greater understanding, because sometimes our arrogance, our pride, it gets in the way, and we need to be able to show that teachable spirit. We talked last week about those who rejected Jesus. They didn't have the teachable spirit. No, they had their own pride. They had their own uh, self-righteousness, their uh, arrogance, their rejection uh, centered on just how closed they were to Jesus. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that they had just witnessed Jesus heal a man who had been infirmed for 38 years. But it didn't matter to them at all. They were still stuck on their rules and regulations. They were stuck on their way of life, and there was no way they could be open to a person who showed such divine power. And that attitude of self-righteousness, that attitude of my way, not his way, that is a huge hindrance to understanding. And we see this again in John chapter 8. If you've been reading along with us, and I encourage you all to read along You'll see in your, um, in your weekly bulletin, we have the, uh, the schedule of our uh, reading plan. So please keep up to date. It's been really excellent. If you're new here, if you're visiting with us, even if you're watching on our live stream, connect with us. You can uh, go online, pick up the entire reading plan that we started in January. You can catch up. We are... Uh, well on our way into the book of Deuteronomy now in the New Testament. We've been in uh, the book of John, John chapter 8. Uh, it talks to us about this idea of understanding. And there was these Pharisees, these leaders of the Jewish religion. And once again, they've started in on Jesus. It's not a new sight now. We're pretty familiar with it. Jesus uh, said to them, when they accused him of, hey, you, you're not bringing us the truth. You're not telling us anything that we should believe. Jesus said, listen, what I say to you is true. And I know you're accusing me. They were accusing him of, hey, it's your own testimony. You're talking about yourself. And he said, it's not just my testimony. I know that your rules say it's got to be by the testimony of two or three. Well, I'll give you a second. And he said, my father testifies of me. Well, then they started in on him. Well, who's your father? And Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father. But you don't know me and you're not going to know my father. And he said, I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going to a place where you can't come. And unless you believe, unless you believe, he gave them a very a stern warning. He said, unless you believe, you are going to die in your sins. Now, this brought up a question. These Pharisees, these leaders of the Jews, they, uh, they questioned Jesus again. They got down now to the brass tacks because Jesus is saying these things. I am he, my father testifies of me. They know what he's talking about. They know that he's equating himself with God. They had already accused him of that. So John 
chapter uh, 8, verses 25 to 30. I want to read those. And this is Jesus' reply now when they're getting very pointed with him because he keeps saying, I'm he, my father, my father, my father. So they just come down to the basics. John 8, 25, who are you? They asked. Jesus said this, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. He replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. So this was their question. Who are you? And Jesus, he has been talking and talking and talking. So he, he said, it's bad. I'm who I've said all along. I have been telling you this. It's what I've been saying from the beginning. And I've been telling you what I have heard from the one who sent me. And that's the father. They didn't understand. So John writes this, but they didn't understand what he was telling them about his father. And they didn't understand what he was telling them about himself either. They did not understand these things. Why? This is, this is kind of the question Michael in our skit is getting, he's driving at with uh, his new friend David. You don't understand. They didn't understand either. Why didn't they understand? One reason was they didn't grasp the real true reason that Jesus came to this earth. He repeats it again. This was really the answer to question number one, but Jesus expressly says it. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know I am He. When you have lifted up? When you have lifted up? Really, what? Now what does He mean? This is, this is more confusing now than ever. What is, what's Jesus talking about? What is this lifting up? It's a reference to the cross. It's a reference to the crucifixion. It's the cross with Jesus' body on it raised above the ground. When I am raised up, when I am lifted up. And how do we know that this is a reference to the cross? Monday, it's in our reading, which is John chapter 12. And I'll give you a couple of lines from it. So we know that it's the cross. It's John 12, verses 32 and 33 where Jesus plainly says it. He says this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus made a plain reference pointing to the cross. Plain reference. So we could say it this way. Jesus' words. When you have crucified me, then you will know that I am he. 
Well, no sooner had Jesus been crucified, no sooner had he been raised up on the cross that there was fruit to this crucifixion, to what we sung about earlier this morning. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Paid it all on the cross. Well, what was the fruit? Two criminals were crucified with Christ, one on his right, one on his left. You can read the accounts in the Gospels. These two criminals began to hurl insults at Jesus. Hey, you're the Messiah. Take yourself down. Take us down with you. You've got the power. You can do it. They were hurling insults at him, mocking him. But one of them changed course. One of them, throughout the day, hanging there on the cross, began to change. And finally, he said to the other one, He looks at that other criminal and says, hey, we're guilty. You know, we are receiving justice, what we deserve. We're getting executed for crimes that we committed. We're guilty. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus told him, today you'll be with me in paradise. There is the first convert of the cross of Christ recorded in the Gospels. And Jesus is still hanging on the cross. So when he is lifted up, something was going to happen. And when all the people who had gathered to witness the crucifixion saw what took place, because a lot of things beyond the crucifixion took place, the earth began to shake. There were other signs happening The Gospels tell us those people, they beat their breasts and they they went home. They went away. These people realized something. They realized something true about Jesus. Now, what what about these Pharisees? What about these who had rejected Jesus so much? For them, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And this was not some small little window curtain. This was a big, tall, thick piece of material. It was torn in two, showing that Jesus had opened up the way right into the center of where God's presence resided. When you have crucified me, then you will know I am he. They knew. But Jesus also said, They didn't understand. They didn't understand that he was telling them about the Father. There was one who understood at the cross. There was one who came to understand. There was fruit of this too at the cross. It was a Roman centurion. Roman. This wasn't even a Jew. This wasn't even a a person of faith standing in front of the cross. That Roman centurion said this, surely this man is the son of God. The son. What does a son imply? There's a father. He is the son of the father. The Roman declared that at the cross. The Pharisees, they knew, but they refused. They refused understanding. And that's the primary problem. That is their primary hindrance to understanding it was themselves. 
It was themselves putting up a barricade to the truth. They didn't understand because they were closed to hearing the truth. The crucifixion was enough. But even before it, even before it, they had a clue. And they had more than a clue. Jesus repeatedly telling them, I do the will of my father. I stand with my father. I only do what I've heard from my father. Jesus said other things like this, by the will of my father, I do these signs. And he performed miracles. How else did Jesus show who he was? Authority. He taught with authority that no one else taught with. And there are references to Jesus' authority in his teaching. He taught with the authority of the Father. His teaching had this authority and knowledge. People marveled at his knowledge. He had, at his knowledge, he had this acute knowledge. But they, the Pharisees, they were dull to it. They were dull to Jesus' sharp knowledge. I mean, to use another mathematical term, they were obtuse. He was acute. They were obtuse. They were dull. They didn't receive it. Their eyes were closed. They were blind because they didn't wish to see. They simply closed themselves off to the truth concerning the fatherhood that Jesus spoke of, the truth that all who would receive him, to those who would believe in his name, to them, they could become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, but born of God. Stephanie here was speaking about that earlier. She's come to realize this, this idea. God wants sons and daughters. God doesn't want rule followers. God doesn't want people that are going through motions. No, he's looking for a heartfelt acceptance of the truth that he is truly father. He is the father of creation. And he's looking for children not born of natural descent, but children born of God. Sons and daughters. The Pharisees were closed to that. They couldn't receive it. They were obstinate. But Jesus had said, when I am crucified, you will know what I was telling you about the father. The cross, there's power in the cross. And if the Roman, if the Gentile, who had no faith, if he could see it, they could see it. They could see it. Jesus had said so much to them. There's power, power in the cross of Christ. Paul would later write to the Corinthians, the cross is the power of God to us being saved. They were close to that salvation. They didn't think they even needed it, those, uh, those leaders. So when Jesus was crucified, they still rejected him. They refused to see. They refused to see the divine love of the Father presented in the sacrifice, the giving of his one and only son, Jesus, on the cross. They refused to see that love. They refused to see the indescribable gift of God to humankind. And where, where did Jesus come from after all? He came from the Father. John wrote about it in 
the opening chapter of this gospel we've been looking at for the past few weeks. John's uh, gospel, chapter one says, the, the one and only son came from the father, full of grace and truth. And John's gospel is the one that has the most references to the son and the father, the son and the father. If you've been reading along, you should have picked up on that. Chapter six, son, father, son. It goes back and forth, father, father, father. And here again in chapter eight, it's repeated. The the word father is in John's gospel over a hundred times. Jesus, I'm the son, he's the father. The father loves the son. The father gives life, the son gives life life. The father judges no one. He's given all judgment to the son. Who does not honor the son does not honor the father. These are some of the things that Jesus says. The son comes in the father's name. The father is in me and I am in him. I and the father are one. The father's will is for everyone to look on the Son and believe and gain eternal life. Look on the Son. Look on the Son on the cross. Jesus said all these things, and he said all this about the Father and more. It wasn't as if what Jesus said couldn't be believed. It wasn't as if it was untenable. But they refused openly. And how do we know it wasn't untenable? It was the last verse that I read, verse 30. John 8, 30. Even as Jesus spoke, many believed in him. I mean, there were believers that were coming to him. It was the leaders that were so, so close. And we know even among that leader group, there were a couple that they did come to believe. There was Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus was buried in his tomb. He was a member of the ruling council. John chapter three, we read about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was also a Pharisee, member of the ruling council. Jesus used very similar words with Nicodemus that we heard this morning. In John chapter three, verse 15, Jesus said, The Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. That was his first reference to this idea of being lifted up on the cross. John 3, 15. Many of us have memorized the next verse. Here's Jesus talking about eternal life. The Son of Man lifted up. You believe that, you have eternal life. And then there's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's all pointed to the cross, the cross, the cross. The cross was there in John 3, 15. And then there's that eternal life. And he reiterates it again in John 3, 16, that God gave his son for this. Nicodemus understood it and he believed it. But so many of Nicodemus's colleagues refused They were totally closed. They saw, they heard, but their hearts were like rocks. And it's still true today. It's still true today. 
There are so many that see, but they close their eyes. They, they hear, and yet they close their ears. They do not understand because they don't want to understand that the incarnation of Jesus and in the cross by the agony of the sacrificial death, God the Father revealed the full depth of his love to all of mankind. They don't believe. And sometimes, sometimes, yes, we struggle in our minds to understand some things. But very often, our not understanding is self-imposed. It's deliberate. This guy in our skit, David O'Malley, he seems sincere in saying he doesn't understand, but he knows well enough. He's put up some barriers to the gospel. He's put up some barriers. We've heard of, we've heard of a couple of them in the previous weeks. He's had troubles. Oh, his, his dad died. Life happened. So he threw away God. He put up barriers. Even though the gospel makes sense, and it makes sense when we're in misery, when we're in a mess of sin, it makes sense that there needs to be a way out beyond our human ability. And God the Father has shown us. He's shown us the full depth of his love, and he has sent his son, his one and only son, to suffer and to die, to make a way for us to deal with the misery of sin. Yet so many hear it, and they refuse to understand it. Primary hindrance, self. That was, that was me. I was taught. I was taught as a child. I was taught about the things that the Lord brought up in Christianity. What were some of the things blocking me? I didn't just walk right into Christianity from a boy, being raised up, had my own struggles. And I'm sure some of you might relate to them. But let me share with you just a few that were hindrances to me. Jesus was going to change me. You know, I heard that. I heard that many times. And how did that, how did that work inside of me? Well, I'm going to have to give things up. I don't want to give things up. I really don't. I had heard so many times, you have to give up your life, you have to lose your life to gain it. But you know what I thought? I got too much to lose. Why would I want to give it up? Seriously. Why would I want to give up what I have? What am I going to really and truly gain? Yeah, I heard it a hundred times, eternal life. Yes, oh yeah, you'll go to heaven. I didn't want to give up what I had. That was a self-imposed hindrance. Thought I'd have to change too much. Uh, a, A second thing related to that is I really didn't see myself as a needy sinner. Really? I thought I was a pretty good guy. Why do I need this Jesus? I don't really need him. I'm sitting here in these seats in a church. I'm hearing these messages. I don't want to change, and I'm really not a sinner, so I don't have to change. I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was pretty good. I thought I could, was good enough to beat out hell. 
It's the wrong idea. It's not true. None of us, none of us can beat out hell on our own. Jesus came to save us from hell. You know, third thing, I had time on my side. Tomorrow was always going to be there. So one more day, you know, maybe things are starting to sink in. Maybe I've heard the pastor and the messages enough, but I got one more day. I know I've got one more day. Don't you know you've got one more day? So my parents took me and they dragged me by the ear to this class called catechism. I was in the young adult class, 16 years old. You're dragged in. Not much is going to sink in. We had our little discussion groups, and our little discussion group was one young man that was really struggling, struggling with all the things we've been talking about. Eh, Why did Jesus come? Really? I don't get it. Help me understand. But by the end of this class, he had really changed. Now, I sat in the back. My my idea was I got to get through this. I need some proof that I finished. So my dad will allow me to live in the house. You know, he's not going to kick me out. I've got to make it through the end. But participation was nothing I wanted. Uh, the least possible. But I watched this kid, and he might have been a year or two older than me. He might have been 17, 18 years old. I watched him change, and he started to dress different, carry himself different. God had really done something in his life. He truly, truly, like we heard from Stephanie and Mike today, truly had gained understanding about ideas like repentance and forgiveness. I was at that kid's funeral two months after class. Something happened. Strange automobile accident. And uh, I remember some of the things. It was um, Pastor James Beal at the time saying at that kid's funeral, you know, One would think it'd be enough to sink in. Nah, but it didn't. I still had time. I still had the next day. Sometimes we're that way. I'm glad I didn't wait too, too much longer. It was a number of years. You know, and sometimes it just seems that this gospel, it's too good. It's too perfect. It's too good to be true. I think I had a little bit of that going on too. All these pieces are fitting together. They all put them together so nice. It just couldn't be like that. And it couldn't be that easy. Really when it boils down to it and I remember the day where I finally did some of the things like we heard about this morning. Repentance and said, ah, you know, I give up and truly I get it now. I I know you don't, you're not looking to uh, judge me, uh, knock me down. You're not looking for me to follow a specific rule. You just want me. And I remember the day, and yes, it is too good to be true. And I think sometimes we struggle with that. 
I don't know if, what, what it is for, for you. You might have different barriers. Mine, mine were these things about changing and uh, giving up and not seeing myself as the sinner. And of course, I still had time. We all have, we all have the reasons we don't want to understand. We refuse to, uh, don't want it. But when the day comes, when the day comes that we see Christ, we see him in his humiliation, we see him there lifted up on that cross for us. And that's what it was. I, I finally saw that. I saw that he gave his life. He was lifted up for me. I, I love how Stephanie learned hey, if you were the only one, he would have died for you. That's, that's what eventually sunk in for me. And when we see that, when we see him and his humiliation lifted up for us, when we see the glory of the face of the Father shining in the Son who has given his life, it's then, it's then, nobody can say to us, you don't understand. It's then that we gain eternal life. Have you gained eternal life this morning? Or are you still putting up blockades? Are you still putting up barriers? You feel like you still got tomorrow? You, you just don't know. It's not promised. We need to understand he died for us, gave his life. And it makes a way for us to become a child of God, a son or a daughter and have eternal life. I don't know if there's any in this room this morning, but before we move on, I just want to take a minute to invite you to pray, to say, Lord, I, I got to give up fighting back. I got to give up looking for tomorrow, give up calling myself good enough because you're not good enough to make it to heaven. You need this blood of Christ if that's you this morning, let's just take a minute to pray. You can just pray at your seat. I don't, want to, I don't need to see hands raised. Just It's you and it's the Father and the Son. God, if there's any in this room right now that are just yielding to you, they may have felt they don't need to change. They may have felt they've got more time. They get some of this thing called the gospel, the cross, and yet they refuse to understand it. They want to today. Father, if there's any in here that want that today, the, the love of the son who gave his life to make a way, Lord, I pray they open right now and ask you for forgiveness. And I know you'll grant it. I know because you're faithful. God grant it to them right now. Grant any and all in this room who are saying for the first time, I need you, I want you. I need the, the salvation offered by Jesus Christ. God, I pray, Lord, as they ask that, that you would truly, truly meet them. Truly, God, I know you will. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' holy and his precious name. Amen. Amen. We have a group of people here this morning who have come 
to a much, much better understanding of their faith. They have taken time in a class that we call catechism, and it's a foundational class. It's a a class that goes over the idea of why Jesus came, some of the questions we've been talking about, talks about repentance. And I even know that's lesson number 10 because Stephanie reminded me this morning where you can gain a better understanding. And this group of people has come to a greater understanding of their, uh, of their faith. They've learned things like Mike was expressing in the commandments. Yeah, commandments. We look at them as do's and don'ts. I heard him say there's a blessing in the commandments. And you know that's true. That every single commandment, there's blessing. We shouldn't look at them as do's and don'ts. As, as things where the Lord is looking to strike us down? Absolutely not. No, these are, these, this is the way of life. When motivated by the fact that God loved us, they become a joy and there's blessing. This class has learned that. It's why we take time to go over these things so, so that we can have this greater understanding and we ask it for anyone who would, would want to be a member of our local church. It gives us a foundation. We're all on the same page in terms of the principles, the basics. And this group has done that. And today we want to pray for them. We pray a prayer of confirmation. And what that means is we are going to pray that this faith that they've learned about, this faith that they've grown in, this faith that they have expressed, that it roots solid. So when they're challenged, they'll stay strong. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit truly does a work this morning for each and every one of these people that have been in the class, that their souls would be rooted in their faith. And we want you to join us in that prayer. I want to invite this class right now to come to the altars. This is, this is, a, great group of, this is a great group of people. And you look great this morning. And there they all are. There they all are. Isn't that a good-looking group of people? Class, I congratulate you. I'm thrilled that you've each committed. You've taken time to go through this instruction, but more importantly, that you've received it in your heart, that it's something that you want to live. It's a faith that's not rules and regulations. It's motivated out of love in our hearts like we heard from your classmates this morning. And I'm thrilled for you that you're going to be moving forward after this day of confirmation, firm in your faith. We're gonna ask God to do it. But before we do that, you've learned something about your faith. It's just a little bit of a encapsulation. So that if you're in a coffee shop, and a guy starts telling you, hey, 
I got a blog about this thing called Christianity. Can you tell me a little bit about it? You've got something to say, don't you? You could tell a person in a coffee shop, an elevator, or some other place where you just have a minute or two, you could tell them about your faith, couldn't you? You could tell them uh, the Apostles' Creed. I know you've memorized it. You've put it down in your heart. And before we pray for you, I want you to turn around to this congregation and I want you to declare your faith. We've sung about it this morning. So declare it. And I know some of you here in this room, many of you have memorized this. And if you want to, if you want to recite along with the class, feel free. I believe. Great job. And you know, as we pray and you're confirmed today, we're going to pray that, yeah, maybe somebody comes across your path even today and you've got you've to talk to them about what you've just said you believe. I'm going to ask our elders and uh, ministers to come to the altar this morning as we pray. And all of you in this congregation, this isn't something we take lightly. It's not something that we just look at as ceremonial. No, we believe that there's power, the power of the Holy Spirit that will work in this time of prayer. And I want to invite you all to pray over this group of people with these elders and ministers. Let's take it very seriously that God will do a work in the name of Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. So class, would you please kneel as we pray? Heavenly Father, it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we come to you this morning humbly but boldly to your throne of grace, Lord, to pray a prayer of confirmation over these that are assembled at these altars. God, you have done a a good work in them. You've begun a good work, and we pray, Father, right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you root them in your faith, that they would they would know truly in their hearts that you will see them through until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ and the good work that you've begun. God, that you would root them, that you would ground them, that you would establish them. From this day forward, Lord, we pray that whenever anything would come their way, they would turn to you and your word. Lord, they would ever be seekers of the word, the power in the word, Lord, that they would keep the cross of Christ in front of them, that Jesus lifted up would continue from this day forward for every day of their life, that he would continue to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, if ever there comes a time where they feel the challenge, 
Lord, that you would fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit and do them with power on high. Give them words to say, Lord. Give them ways out, Lord. Protect them. Look after them. Overshadow them, my God. Lord, that they would truly stand upon the rock that is Jesus Christ, that their faith would ever be firm in the strong tower that we know as Jesus. Lord, we pray for this for each of them here. God, that this isn't something that is ceremonial, but it's a work of your spirit, Holy Spirit. We pray right now that for each of these, you would work on their hearts, Lord, that you would establish them in this faith totally, completely, Lord, if, they, if, they come, uh, if there comes a time where it seems they might waver, God, may they have on that full armor, Lord, your protection. Keep the word with them, Lord, the power of the spirit, the way of the cross, Lord. May it all be something that they continue to hang on to, the things that they have learned, their profession of faith. May it be ever on the forefront of their mind. God, and I pray that you would open up gifts and talents in each of these, that they could be used for the betterment of your kingdom. Lord, may they be strong and powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. May from this day forward they continue to walk in your way and be lights, Lord, lights to gather more into the kingdom of God, when they go out into their workplace, Lord, if they go to school, wherever it might be, my God, that you would use them, that you would use them, that you would use what they have learned to draw others. God, you have gifts, you have talents that you have put in each one. Oh, expose them, God, for your use. God, expose them and use them for the kingdom. Oh, Father, I pray that you would do this work. You would do it by the power of your spirit that they would be firmly established. Their roots would go down. They'd be planted like trees by the rivers of living water, Lord, and they would bring forth fruit for you. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for them. I thank you for their commitment. I thank you for the time that they've spent learning and understanding. And I pray it would continue. Pray it would continue, God, that you would continually reveal more and more of your truth to them. And Father God, we ask it all. We ask it all in that wonderful, powerful name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.